1: Charles C. Ryrie, former Dean of Doctrinal Studies at Dallas Theological Seminary, said, The solution to the problems of the church today lies in solving the problems of individual Christians, and the remedy is a person, the Holy Spirit. Pretty profound, pretty simple. Welcome in. This is Religionless Christianity, and um, if you're new to the channel here, maybe just checking out Uh, This review here, uh, me and my wonderful wife, Nikki, usually um, we do our main podcast on Saturdays. Usually it's about an hour and a half long episode. We'll look at the news of the week from kind of a Christian perspective, um, do our best to help Christians navigate this crazy world, and then we'll kind of add in a Bible topic as well. And then Monday through Friday, we do five-minute daily devotionals, just kind of us walking through the Word and giving our thoughts on it. But in between those, or in the past, we have been sort of, we took on this undertaking of reviewing the Rise and Fall of Mars <laughs> Hill podcasts, And I think we've reviewed almost all of them. There was a couple that came out that we were like, we're not even going to waste our time yeah. on these. So we skipped a couple of them, but... Recently, they did release this new episode 15, and we wanted to take some time out to review this one. And um, so that's what we're going to do today. We're just going to be reviewing just the episode. So there's going to be no news stories, no um, prayer requests, no Bible topics, no sermon recommendation, just going to be straight review. So before we dive into the review and all of that, I'd like to say hi and Anything you want to get off your chest before we get rolling?
2: Oh, no I don't need to get anything off my chest. All get, right, not gonna complain.
1: <laughs> That's good. All right, so um, just to kick this review off, um, you know, what did you think of the episode as a whole? Because up to this point, if this isn't the first, or if this is the first review that you've heard of us, we've been quite critical of. Mm-hmm. We call them today's Christianity um, of their company as a whole. And then this podcast as a whole, we've tried to be fair, but we've been a little bit critical. So what did you think of episode 15 as a whole?
2: I thought what they talked about was exactly what we were bringing up the whole time with all the other, um, other episodes we've done on Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. We're like, listen to it. And I'm like yeah does he finally get it <laughs> yeah, yeah i liked the whole episode um yep. good i agreed with it all i made some really good points um especially near the end some things i haven't thought of which i know you're gonna bring up but yeah really yeah, good
1: i thought it was a really good episode i think honestly i think it's the best episode of the entire series
2: yeah me um, too.
1: and i think that could just be because they spent less time focusing just on Mark Driscoll and Mars Hill. Mm-hmm. And this was more on just sort of the church as a whole, which I think was better. Or maybe that just, you know, is something we care more about. Again, we've mentioned before we didn't know anything about Mark Driscoll or Mars Hill outside of just we'd heard the name before. Right. But we I know didn't... I've
2: read a book at least by Mark Driscoll.
1: Yeah. But we didn't really know, know of him or <laughs> we didn't know about Mars Hill. So maybe that kind of um colored the way that we heard and listened to the episodes, but uh, I really enjoyed this episode. I, saw, I thought it was really good. Um, as with all the episodes, production was really good. Information presented was really good and very interesting. So all around, this was a really good episode, not a lot to complain about. Um, but I do want to bring up here first that this episode, while it is in the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill podcast series, it was very little about Mars Hill again. Um, Mm -hmm. So they discussed kind of more American church at Mm -hmm. large, a lot more, um, more about like that mega church culture or like the celebrity church culture. That was kind of the idea of this episode, which is again, probably why we liked it a little bit more. It's really
2: important that this is being discussed. People need to realize celebrity pastors are a thing.
1: Yeah. And it's got to be discussed in more than just like your small local church that like, you know, doesn't like the mega church, like this needs to be brought up on a large scale. So thankfully, a platform like Christianity Today or Today's Christianity decided to take this on because it is certainly something that needs to be discussed. It needs to be um, worked out in our church because we have a lot of problems in the American church. Got a lot of things right, but we do have a lot of problems. So don't want to sugarcoat those. Good to
2: judge been saying yes
1: listen to our previous episodes (laughs) christians are called to judge constructive criticism so all (laughs) right so this episode opens and we only have kind of four main points that we're going to talk about here a lot of good information a lot of stuff we aren't going to get to so we encourage you to go listen to it and then we may toss in some other ideas that pop up in our head as we go through but um The first point that I really had here that stuck out to me is the episode opens with sort of a back and forth between Joe Rogan and Bill Burr on the Joe Rogan podcast, Um, both of whom I would assume are atheists. I may be agnostic, but I'm pretty sure they're atheists.
2: A lot of that conversation is just bleeps.
1: Right. (laughs) And Mike Cosmer, the host, does give you that warning, tells you if you don't want to listen to it, skip ahead. So kudos to them on that. But I do want to make this point because in previous episodes of these reviews, we've been quite critical of today's Christianity because they've brought in atheists like Josh Harris, and they've brought mm. him on to critique the church and to critique Mars Hill. And we were pretty critical about giving um, atheists sort of a global platform to bash the Christian church. Not a big fan of that. Um, but I don't think that's the same case here. Since we're looking at the American Church sort of as a whole, then I think it maybe makes more sense here to get an outsider's perspective of yeah, what the church looks what like the
2: what the the rest of the world, how they view the American church the names they know and why they know those celebrity names what kind of a, mm-hmm. what kind of a picture these celebrity pastors paint of the gospel and what being a Christian is, and it is like a mockery and a shame, like the way they paint it to the world.
1: In a lot of sense, and that's what they say here. And that's why I think maybe even, and I'm sure that's why they got this clip here from Joe Rogan and Bill Burr is they're kind of like a good insight into sort of that broader American culture. You know, Joe Rogan kind of covers a lot of different groups of people, Bill Burr and stuff. So it's kind of a good snapshot of what they think of this sort of mega church culture, this celebrity church culture.
2: Yeah, the world knows those names they brought up. Like everybody knows those pastor names.
1: Yeah, and
2: because they're celebrities. What's That's why enlightening about
1: it is what they think of it is a joke. Yeah, um, like an embarrassing joke. Uh, there's a clip that they play in there where Joe Rogan's basically mocking um, Joel Osteen, talking about you know these super rich pastors going out and buying Rolls Royces and again, even from a rich celebrity, he recognizes like, you're supposed to be a pastor, right? Like that's supposed to be different. Mm -hmm. But it's not it's just the same as us. And then they later show you guys will see a picture on here that I've blurred out a little bit, because I do think it's inappropriate. But Mm
0: -hmm. they show a
1: picture of Carl Lentz, who not as well known as Joel Osteen, but he's the former pastor of a church called Hillsong, um, New York. He was probably most famous that he was Justin Bieber's sort of spiritual spiritual mentor, so lift up Bieber in your prayers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but they show Rogan this picture, and he sort of like freaks out on his podcast. And it's interesting that just from showing them this picture, he basically nails down to a T who Carl Lentz is. You know, he talks about, oh, this is just a a guy who's looking to basically score. He's yeah. just a guy that's looking to you know meet up with women essentially, and as you follow Carl Lentz's career, yeah, that's exactly who he was. Mm. And um, it was just pretty enlightening to see sort of these more secular men, just what their kind of visceral reactions was to people who are supposed to be leaders in the, in the church here, the Christian church. Yeah,
2: bringing shame, name that you bear.
1: Yeah, and I think that's why it's important, you know, because men and women... Who would claim to be men and women of God? Um, if this is the way you're viewed by mm-hmm. the public at large, I would say you, if not outright disqualified, you're close to being disqualified. Because uh, First Timothy and Titus both, the Apostle Paul instructs that church elders and pastors, um, they are both to be blameless mm-hmm. and to have a good testimony, um, as a uh, a good testimony to those who are outside the church. Yep. And I looked up in John MacArthur's test uh, commentary on these verses in First Timothy, and MacArthur says a leader must have an impeachable reputation in the unbelieving community, even though people disagree with the moral and theological stands. So he's saying there, like, it's fine if they want to mock you kind of for your beliefs or they think your beliefs are whatever, but they can't look at you as a person and think you're a clown, which is. What they did with the Joel Osteens, the Carl Lens is like, yeah, hey man, we know what a pastor's supposed to be. These people are a caricature of what a pastor should be. And that's yeah, should be pretty shameful, I think. And, you know, I a hundred percent agree with MacArthur's take on this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you see the unbelieving world kind of just cracking jokes on you and mocking you, um, because they can just see that you're a fraud from a mile away you can just flash that picture of Carl Lentz and immediately everyone goes, yeah, that dude's not a pastor. No way. Um,
2: Yeah, you're not being persecuted for being godly. Like that's a totally different thing. Like these celebrity pastors might be like, oh no, that's just Christian persecution that the world is cracking jokes. Like not when it has nothing to do with you being godly, it's they're just like, what a fraud.
1: Because it's not even just the outside world. We are supposed to be, Well, respected, have good repute outside the church. But we went to a church where we had a pastor. He wasn't the lead pastor, but he would preach um, fairly regularly. But every time he would get up to preach, he would be dressed pretty ridiculous, we thought, you know, like, you know, just not even just, you know, more modern, but it was almost like over the top, Mm -hmm. ridiculous. And so even for us sitting there and listening to him as Christians in this church, we would be like, what is going on? Like, You're almost like you want people to be more aware of you and how cool you are rather than what you're preparing, like the message you have. You're wondering
2: about what they're thinking with what they're wearing. Like you know, you're wearing something that's um, causing people to wonder about you.
1: Right. Cause you don't just get up on a Sunday morning and go, Oh, what's on the top of my dresser drawer? No, like you're going to a church to preach, like you're preparing for it. So when that's what you prepare to wear, You're doing it for a reason and it distracts certainly it did for us from the message.
0: It did. And
1: yeah, it just made us think like, you know, what is what's his hope here? Like, is he hoping to be thought of as really cool and
0: modern or whatever? Or is
1: he just trying to sort of blend away out of the picture and let the word of God take center stage? It didn't seem that way. I think, yeah,
2: we do need to be very mindful with how we dress. Oh yeah. Yeah. Everybody. Just express themselves, though.
1: <laughs> no, and it's funny, too, because you see that. I mean, you guys have seen that picture of Carl Lentz. And if you're on the podcast, just listen to this. Um, you can look it up if you want to. I don't highly recommend it. But, I mean, you can just see that picture. And if you didn't know who Carl Lentz and Justin Bieber were, you would assume Justin Bieber was the pastor and Carl <laughs> Lentz was the pop star who needed Jesus. It's pretty, like... It's yep. shocking when you see it, and you're like, "That's the dude that's supposed to be leading him spiritually." Oh, please help Justin Bieber. You know, so that was the first big point here, and I think it was very good that it started the episode out like that because, you know, we should be aware of the way that the the unsaved world views us. Yes. Um, you know, if you're painting yourself as a mockery, you're kind of making God a mockery. You know, and, and that's certainly not how. I mean, now, again, you can't 100% control the way people think about you. You know, right. you may say like, oh, you're going to go lay your hands on someone and they're healed. You want to mock it? Fine. Yes, that's what I'm doing. You know, but when you're trying to be, when someone just looks at a picture and goes, oh, I know this guy. This is a pervert. <laughs> like, okay, that's a whole different story. Yeah. Um, and again, it's pretty funny that they nailed Carl Lintz to a T. He was a pervert. So um, do you have any last things on that first point? All right. So the second point that I wanted to bring up here is Mike Cosmer. He interviews this gentleman named Yuval Levine, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And it's a pretty decent back and forth interview. But he makes this one really good point that stuck out to me in particular. Um, He talks about sort of institutions and by extension, kind of like government and churches is what he's sort of uh, talking about. And he says that these institutions are supposed to be, um, they're supposed to be in their use, or they used to be, in the past, formative. You know, they would form people in character, but they've turned into these places and these platforms to elevate people instead. Mm -hmm. And then he says this thing, um, he says that the formative has become the performative. And I was like, boy, (laughs) is that ever true? Um, You know, in a lot of respects, and I think it's not very good, you know. Because most people, like just looking at the American church again, most people in this country, religious or non-religious, they know who Rick Warren is. They know who Joel Osteen is. But I bet you they don't know what church they pastor. I bet you they don't know what denomination they are. And that's if you even want to consider what Joel Osteen Mm. does as pastoring. But they don't know. They just know the celebrity. Oh, I know Rick Warren. He's a very famous person. Like, well, that should not be...
2: And again, because that makes it about the person.
1: It does for sure. It's just
2: the name and there's no doctrine behind the name. There's no gospel, the way they present the gospel.
1: No, we're Um, pretty Christian. We're pretty engaged doing this, all this sort of thing. If you would ask me six months ago, if Rick Warren and Saddleback Church was part of the Southern Baptist Convention, I'm like, I I doubt it. I mean, but I don't know. You know, I can't even think right now off the top of my head what Joel Osteen's church is called, or whatever that is. It's, I don't even know. But so that's sort of those guys, in a sense, are performative, right? Like the church has become a platform for them mm-hmm. rather than just being formative. And again, some of that is not necessarily their fault. We live in a celebrity culture, but they're certainly not doing what they can to shift the focus away from themselves and back on God well, everything or their is church about, or anything like that. Which we brought
2: up before, I think, because it's about them and their vision. It's something, they have something new that's, done, you know, out, outside the Bible. People, something new. Yeah, They want this vision, purpose.
1: That purpose-driven that's life. That's what...
2: Yeah, Yeah, that's what people want.
1: No, for sure. And um, we discussed this point plenty of times on our regular podcast. But I do think this episode highlighted it very well um, that I think a lot of people in the church today sort of view the pastoral position as kind of an easy way to get a leadership position. And then you sort of marry that idea with social media. And then Mm -hmm. it's almost like it becomes a brand enhancer. and. You know, especially when you get to these churches like Hillsong, where Carl Lentz was a part of, you know, they're already very culturally minded. And, you know, they have people that are trying to kind of build themselves, like build a name for themselves. And these churches that are like, you get people that want to build a name for themselves and you partner that with a church that's like desperately trying to get younger and cooler. And it's kind of just a disaster waiting to happen. And that's ultimately, I mean, Carl Lentz is a terrible example of that but that's what it was mark driscoll became that it may not have been his attention originally but that's what he became Mm -hmm. a brand enhancer with a church that was desperate to be cool and relevant and Mm -hmm. it just all fell apart you know and i think that idea of the formative becoming the performative yeah is highlighted really well in those two maybe extreme examples but they certainly exist. And I'm sure you could probably point out more of these churches around the country. I'm sure
2: there's way more, you just don't hear about them because they don't get that big, but they got the same, the beginnings of the following falls apart before it gets that big. The church that we
1: went to, I mean, we're the pastor that we had that looked ridiculous. The church fell apart. It wasn't ultimately his fault, but it was just a bad situation where, yeah, now when you start unraveling the things and you're like, well, I guess any church that would allow their pastors to kind of like, behave like this and the people that were in the youth group and you're like no yeah, there's a lot of stuff going wrong no. in that church right
2: i think yeah you need the accountability these pastors don't have it no or they don't allow someone um this
1: doesn't seem that way
2: yeah their ability partner pride like that's sure sign it's gonna crumble
1: yeah and you know like being a pastor um or an overseer a bishop whatever you want to call it It's about so much more than just preaching a good sermon. You know, there's a lot of people that are just gifted as speakers. Um, A lot of people can memorize scripture and repeat it. There's nothing spectacular about that. But pastors in that position, they're, again, they're overseers of a congregation. They're shepherds of a congregation. They're at times counselors. They're an example for their members to follow. Um, They're people who the members in that church sort of look to to help navigate this world and stay walking on that narrow path. So just being like cool and in touch with the younger generation is so unimportant in the scheme of what a pastor is required to be, where we need to fall back on this idea of churches being formative and forming. And that's just kind of brought to my mind with the Rick Warren and the Saddleback Church. You know, he was a pastor of that church for, what, like 30-something years? And then he steps down, and there's nobody in the wings that can take over the pastorship. He hires a guy from San Francisco Outside. to come down and be the pastor. That's
2: really odd. Were you
1: not forming your future leaders behind you? No. Like, what's the... It's what's bizarre. The, very weird to be in a church that long and go, there ain't no one here that can help us. Let's go and get that yeah. guy. You know? So, it just... It's weird. Being <laughs> cool and being, like... I don't know, in touch with the young crowd. Uh that should not be your main criteria, but I think it is for a lot of churches today, desperate to get younger and stay relevant. And mm-hmm. um, that is not what the Christian walk should be all about. So any last thoughts on that point before we get to our third-ish point? Nope, go on. So the third point here, they had this small section in there, a little segment about stolen valor.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you're unfamiliar with stolen valor, it's kind of this idea of People pretending to be military veterans and, you know, they'll wear fake patches or fake, you know, military accoutrements or ribbons or whatever happens to be just so that they can sort of garner some of the sympathy or the Mm -hmm. admiration from a military member. And they have a little snippet in there of some Navy SEALs that encounter a guy at an airport, you know, dressed ridiculous, wearing all this stuff that no Navy SEAL, I guess not even allowed, you know, but no Navy SEAL would outright wear. So they sort of confront the guy and point out like, hey man, you're a fake, take that stuff off because you're a disgrace to real Navy SEALs. Um, And they make that point and they tie it back to the church. And they kind of make the point that these pastors, the Carl Lenses of the world, they're in effect um, guilty of stolen valor for real godly men and women. They point out some missionaries and these other things that really devoted their life entirely to God you know, died in the mission field, gave up everything to follow after the Lord. And then you come along, you know, I think a Dietrich Bonhoeffer, our namesake here, you know, did everything, left a a rich family with a comfortable life ahead of him to go study theology, traveled the world, you know, died in a Nazi prison camp, all for standing for his faith. And, but you, they both get to hold the title of pastor. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, pastor, dies at the end of a noose in a Nazi prison camp. Karl Lentz is wearing his pants around his ankles with no underwear on. He's like, "I'm a pastor too," and it's like, "It's stolen valor." Yes. No, you're not the same thing. That
2: was a good analogy, though. They use that really paints the picture well, and it it should be a thing. Like, you gotta just straight up tell him, like, you're not qualified. And and it's a shame you call yourself a Christ follower because you're leading people away from Christ.
1: And it should upset us as Christians that like, man, you're giving a bad name to all those men who came before you. Right. Um, I mean, even the foundation that we're built on of the apostles and like, is this what they would, they would sign? I think they ask in that interview, um, Brian Houston, they talk about, they play an interview with him and he's the founder of Hillsong of like the entire original church, and Mm -hmm. they ask him, do you think Jesus would enjoy coming to your church? And it's kind of hard to hear, but I'm pretty certain he says, I believe he would. And you're like, would he? Like, is is this the kind of church Christ would feel comfortable in? A Hillsong church, listen to a Carl Lentz, preach to him in his Gucci clothes, you know, maybe, you know, I doubt it. But I do think there's a bit of that stolen valor again. A not, bit. Well, and again, not that every pastor is going to go to the mission field and nearly right, die. Right. But it's like it's a position of sacrifice. Not everybody should be called to being a pastor. If you right. like the Carl Lenses of the world, you could very easily be a Christian. Maybe be a music, uh, uh, be in you know the band or be a musician. You could be an author, make your money, become famous, but still be a Christian. But when you go and try to tackle this position of pastor, you know, again, we've talked about James three, one, I believe it is. Not many are called mm-hmm. to be teachers because they'll be held to a more strict standard. So yeah. this call to be a pastor, it should be a very narrow, select group of people that are all about the congregation, all about the church, all about sacrifice and Christ. And
2: well, you, you just don't see it. Bring up the point where they give the example of like, um, well, they're talking about how it's like a, a virtuous thing nowadays where we have pastors who have no credentials or any elders' approval before yeah. they become a pastor. And they just kind of jump right in like Mark Driscoll did. And he, you know, they played a clip on there where he's like, well, I didn't even go to church and I've never been a pastor or been um, in any seminary or anything. And he's kind of joking about it. He like, just decided to build church. And everybody's laughing. He has nothing behind him except that he hears from God. So who can argue with that? But then they made the um, point, like, would you go and get surgery done? And the doctor's like, well, I've never gone to school for this. I have no experience. I have nobody to vouch for me. I have no references. But I'm going to go get that knife. You just stay put and we'll get that inflamed appendix out of you. Like, I thought that was a really good point. Because, like, our spiritual condition is way more important than our physical. Like, we are very careless with who we allow to oversee us. You know what I mean? Like, you want the best doctor and the best everything, but when it comes to pastor, you don't care.
1: Yeah. And this kind of goes to that idea of um, I just had a brain fart. I don't remember what I was going to say, but I bet you it was going to be profound. Was it when I was talking about um, more after school? Yes, it was on that. And I don't remember what I was going to say, but yeah. And, you know, just, I forgot what I was gonna say, but on that point, <laughs> it, it doesn't mean that you have to go get a, a doctorate in theology to be a pastor. Um, oh, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, this was kind of that idea of, you know, we just assume or we associate, can somebody preach good? with pastor so you can get a guy who can start a church like a mark driscoll and he can give a fiery speech and get people pumped up and you're like pastor but there's nothing behind it and we shouldn't want that you know they kind of make an analogy to this outsider myth where we see it in politics all the time every politician runs as an outsider who's going to fight the swamp and when really they've all been hacks in washington for decades um But everybody wants to vote for that outsider because they believe outsider equals truth teller.
2: Yeah, you know,
1: And we see that a little bit in the church as well, that like, you know, again, Rick Warren, what did they think of the pastors underneath him where they're like, we got to get somebody who's outside to give us a fresh perspective. And why? You don't have godly men that have been serving there that know the way Saddleback, or maybe that's the problem. They know the
2: flock already. They know them. They know how to care for them. They're the ones, that's how it works in any business. Person who's been with you the longest, let's promote that person. Typically The one in who a good knows business. how things are run. Yeah. But, but even mean, in the apostles, kind of kind of
1: we see them do this. You know, when uh, Judas has been gone and they have to replace Judas, you know, they don't just grab a hip young kid. They get, you know, they select between, what is it, Matthias and Barnabas? I, can't, I think it's who it was but they get together, they debate these two men. Why these two men? Well, they'd been with them since the beginning. They were formative with the apostles and they're both so qualified. They let the Holy Spirit decide and they draw lots. Right. And that's how they pick who is going to replace Judas. They don't just go, oh, well, you know, that Timothy kid, he's pretty cool. So throw him in here. What's his qualification? He's cool. You know, no. And we should want our pastors to be that again doesn't mean you have to have a doctorate but you should have somebody that like understands church understands God is best you know he's striving to do that he understands the role of a pastor he's mm-hmm. not just cool and can give a good speech right we should be desiring that of our pastors
2: yeah like one of the qualifications is not can you draw a certain type of crowd into the church no that should never be can you draw people just speak the truth, and the people can go out. They can share the gospel. And they, they put well, all that pressure on the pastor. He's got to have something about him. People invite their friends to church. It's him that they come back. They want to hear him. They like his style. He's funny. Like when you invite people, you know, you've had, I've heard people say this, oh, come to my church. You're going to love it. You're just going to love the experience, the worship experience. Um, The pastor's funny. You know, and it's laid back, and it's not too long. You know, all these things that like appeal to your flesh.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's uh, and you know that's a broader topic that we've probably have wanted to discuss for a long time. But when church becomes your outreach ministry, then that becomes important. Pastors cool, funny, the mute, because all they want you to do is bring your unsaved friends in here, and we'll you know make them enjoy being in church. When church is designed to be a discipleship location for the disciples right a place for the, the disciples to go mm-hmm. and get strengthened in the lord and then take the message out into the unsaved world mm-hmm. instead we've just been like that's really difficult yeah, the just church bring the doesn't unsaved world to the church
2: build buildings uh to cater to unbelievers but the church can is supposed to be loving toward toward the unbelievers but we don't use like all of our resources in order to entertain unbelievers and just love on them in hopes that us loving on them pouring all our money into all these programs and whatnot is going to be the thing that draws them that yet a works mentality for the gospel like it's your works that's going to get them saved it's really twisted
1: yeah we could go on for a long time about i will uh, rant about that church so (laughs) The last major point that I wanted to bring up here, um, there was a quote, Mike Cosmer, he mentions this quote from this fella, I believe his name was John Whitfleet, but I may have misspelled that. Um, but he says something, he says, the whole purpose of the church is to prepare for the encounter with death. Mm. And then I believe it might be Mike Cosmer who kind of chimes in here and he says, you know, that's the purpose of the church, yet in today's church, everything is triumphalism, how great life can be if we, you know, basically get our act together. And I thought, boy, that is a really good point yeah. here. Um, you know, everything in, and not every church, we're not going to just completely blanket statement, but in so many of these churches, and especially the ones highlighted here, the, you know, the Mars Hills, uh, um, The Hill Songs, whatever Joel Osteen's thing is. Lakewood, sure. (laughs) I was
2: trying to think of it earlier, too. Um, I was like, shoot, I can't remember.
1: (laughs) But it's all me, me, me. It's all this life. This life. Um, You know, that... And Joel Osteen might be an extreme example, but that's all you're going to get from Joel Osteen. He's always
2: the example.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, he's the worst example of whatever. Yeah, like
2: preparing people for death. But the thing is, is we are constantly supposed to die to the flesh. And that should be what a lot of our sermons are, especially in our culture, where everything around us is pulling at our flesh. It's everywhere you go. It's Mm -hmm. like your flesh. No, can't. No, we can't do that constantly pushing the flesh down everywhere we go
1: and it's so crazy too because you know we've been doing nothing you know in at least the last 20 years but bleeding off church membership people aren't going to church like they did even those who go don't really believe anymore but it's like we keep trying to become more secular to draw these people back into church but even the ones who do come don't really live a christian lifestyle so they wind up leaving and like we're in this like circling the drain. Because
2: they see the hypocrisy eventually. They are drawn in because of the things in the church that appeal to the flesh, which was a plan, but it doesn't make them stay. Like the true believers are going to see through the hypocrisy and what's wrong with those kinds of churches, and they're going to go find a real church. And those people who got saved coming to these churches, they're not saved because of that. They're saved in spite of it. Like God can save anybody no matter what. So, you don't take the credit for that and say, well, they were saved because of our programs or the way that we did church. It's it's always in spite of. Don't ever take credit for that.
1: No, and that's what's funny. So like, as church membership dwindles, the faith is weakened and all this sort of stuff, we don't ever just stop as a society and be like, we got to rethink the way we're doing this. Like, we need to take a step back. And mm-hmm. I almost think about it like school. You know, we homeschool our kids. and But so often you hear about like, all these politicians and you know, everybody like, they want to fix the public school system, and your kids need to be in school. And, you know, you can't teach your kids, if you're homeschooling them, they need to have proper instruction. But our school numbers and our education grades like worldwide are dwindling every year. Mm -hmm. And you're like, so what are you fighting to keep your kids in a poor school that doesn't teach them effectively, it's become basically a social program. Mm -hmm. But you're afraid to pull them back and teach them yourself. Like, and it's almost, I mean, that's the way I kind of see the church. Like, yep. why are you so afraid to just step back and be like, yeah, the nice music is cool. We're just going to go back to singing some real worship music.
2: Just sing the Psalms. Like I was talking my to my friend today about that. She's just like, the Psalms are enough. She's like, you can't make up any songs that are going to be better than the Psalms.
1: No, so, Nothing's going to be richer than that. Um, Russell Moore, this is kind of the last point that I have on here because it ties in with the idea of this John Whitfleet quote of the church. The whole purpose of the church is to prepare you for an encounter with death. And Russell Moore, um, he was featured fairly heavily in this episode, kind of near the end. They had a pretty lengthy interview. And we're no big fans of Russell Moore, but you know, where someone makes a good point, they make a good point. And he makes an interesting point talking about this preparing for death. And he says, um, one of the things that he sees as a big problem in church, at least the last 15 years or so, is that they've removed graveyards from churches. And he said that he's kind of lamented mm-hmm. that point. And he said the reason he liked the idea of graveyards at churches is because every Sunday when you show up to church, it's a stark reminder that this life is very temporary, that we're preparing for the next life to come. And mm-hmm. I never yes. really thought much about that, but I, it makes sense to me. And, yeah, you know, we should be having churches that aren't talking about how to have your best life now. It should all be about yeah. preparing for the life to
0: come. And it's
2: a reminder, if you're, say you did have um, a graveyard and then you, you walk through and you see the names of people you knew, and some of them died too soon, you could say, gosh, they were really godly and they went home early. Why didn't get, they get their best life? Now, why didn't God, you know, if anybody deserved that long life and all the riches and everything with the prosperity gospel, it would have been that person. Why didn't they have that? But yet they were so content with what God gave them. They were so thankful, and it'll really just make you ponder on the godly people um, before you. It'll just remind, bring you back to where we're supposed to be. We need to be looking back at. Like our grandparents and their faith, and just how much changed. Like they didn't follow this prosperity gospel. No. Look at what they've been through. Gosh. No. Yeah.
1: yeah um I definitely do think uh, a good look backwards. Yes. To kind of figure out how to go forward. Yeah, is all the way, way backwards,
2: the... right into your Bible. Yeah, that's what we need to be looking at.
1: <laughs> yeah. So those are really our four big points here. Um, I don't know if I had anything else really that I thought I needed to get off my chest here. Um, yeah, that's really about it. I mean, they make a bunch of good points here. So yeah, do you have any last thoughts before we wrap up this review?
2: Mm. I mean, maybe I do I just remember them right now. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, I really like the episode, as I mentioned, when we first started. I liked it way more than the previous episodes. So, even I would mention for you, if you've maybe started listening, but you sort of tuned them out a little bit because, like us, you didn't really care for them that much, uh, I would give this one a listen because I think it's worth listening to. And, you know, we rag on the American church here a little bit because it's easy to, especially with examples like Osteen and Carl Lentz. We don't mean to be entirely negative, the American church does a lot of good. And there's a lot of great churches, a lot of great pastors, a lot of great Christians. Yeah. but I don't think that should stop us from looking at the bad stuff and being like, "All right, well, we still need to fix this and try to correct this error before it bleeds into our congregation or our way of thinking or yes, you know, because Satan's not just going to sit there and go, "Well, that's a real godly body of believers over there. I'm not going to you know mess with that, but no, he's coming for us all, right? None of us are going to just get out of this thing scot free so we need to be aware. We need to be preparing. Um, seeing sort of what's going on in the world around us and either trying to correct it or sort of prepare ourselves against it, whatever it happens to be. So we can be a little bit critical, but it's really and we love yeah. the American church. We're part of the American church, right? So um, we want it to be as vibrant and we know how vital it can be for the rest of the world. I mean, no one gives like American Christians, no one does missionary work like American Christians, and we need all of that to keep going forward. So when you see someone like a Carl Lenz that's just a huge black eye to the Christian church, you're like, we should all be critical. Be like, no, 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 no. that is not what we are. Yeah. That is not part of what we're, we're calling. We're supposed to
2: call out names, though, when they're really leading people astray. Supposed to. It's not wrong to name names. No. Don't follow that person. They will lead you away. Because like we've said before, like love warns, not hateful, warn people of false teachers. And-
1: yeah, we have to be careful to make sure that we're raising up, you know, the next generation of Christians to be, you know, real God fearing men and women you Know that aren't sort of moved by the culture, but are pretty grounded and rooted in the Bible. And uh, that's what we want here. So that's what we want for us as well. So that yeah. is all we really got for this episode. We'll be back again on Saturday uh, with our podcast episode And Monday we'll be coming back again with our five minute daily devotional. So uh, make sure you like and subscribe if you're interested at all in that. So that's all we got for you guys today. God bless.
0: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus,